You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. We'll pay. We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. All right, everybody, another special guest, Zach Hellander. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. And other than being a YouTube creator, because that's how I got introduced to you. So go mm -hmm. on YouTube. You can find Zach. You put some great content out, lots of content, great videos. But you're also a weightlifting coach, a CrossFit coach. You just took your CrossFit level, level two. two. I, did, well, I didn't just take it. I took it like, God, maybe two years ago now. Oh, it's been, it's been that long. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where if you, you, your CrossFit level one is going to expire, you can either get the level two or like pay $500 and retake the level one test. So exactly. We have so many people every weekend that are there because, you know, quote unquote, they have to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was kind of my situation. So, so, and you also are a jujitsu practitioner like myself. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. What, let's, let's start there. What got you into jujitsu? So I always go through these phases where like, um, I'll not necessarily burn out of weightlifting, but I will get so specific, like, and my body becomes so specifically adapted to, you know, heavy snatch, heavy clean and jerk, heavy back squat, heavy front squat that I, I don't feel good. I don't even feel good about weightlifting. Like your body so, doesn't feel good. Or yeah. I just, my good? body, my mentality, my focus, everything is off. Going to the gym feels off. So I always for the past seven years have reset by just doing straight up CrossFit. I'll go, I'll find a random gym. I'll join in the community and I, I love it. Like I, that was, that is easily my favorite way to get in shape. No question. Just it's straight just, CrossFit. Just go. Yep. And I, I'll wear my flat shoes the whole time. I will never really grind on any of the strength portions. Um, and I just, my goal when I work out is to have every rep be, be perfect and then let that set the pace for me. And um, if it's something that I'm good at, then I can start pushing a little bit faster, but I never get to that point where I'm dying. 
and I watch as my fitness slowly increases, then usually about two months in, I switch back to weightlifting. And so the reason why I went to jujitsu was I actually kind of made the decision that I don't really want to compete in weightlifting anymore. And the reason for that is that, um, you know, I'm 30 years old and in order to keep succeeding and keep improving on my total, I have to kind of really dive into gaining more and more weight. It's just the nature of the sport. You know, I was getting up to 115 kilos, which is right around 250, yeah. 253 or something, 255 pounds. And um, I would have to be, you know, right around 130 kilos, like to do what I wanted to do and maintain the level of competitiveness. And that's just something I'm not interested in. You know, I've never, ever been a big guy. You know, super heavyweights like notoriously are bigger guys throughout their whole lives. And I just never was that. I've always been skinny guy, you know, I, I even played like guard in, uh, in basketball, things like that. So that just wasn't interesting to me. So instead of going back to CrossFit, right. Cause I think CrossFit, that GPP that you get from CrossFit really lends itself. Well, um, you still have a barbell in your hands. It lends itself well to set you up for weightlifting again. I decided to get in shape again. So get that GPP. Uh, but I wanted to learn something new. And thing, two things, but two things you've said that are interesting, Zach. One, that you're not a big guy at 240. I'm 140 pounds. So, right. You know, well, and also, big, big in the sense of like, you know, those kids that are just, they're linemen. You know, it's like you, you, and I, when I played football, I was a skinny wide receiver, you know, and I played a little bit of quarterback. I played a little bit of defensive back. I just happened to be tall. So there are those guys though, that are tall and they're bigger, like in high school, you know, um, juggernaut training systems is what I work for now. It's where I do my coaching and Chad oh, Wesley Smith. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've checked that yeah. quite a bit, especially when I was coaching uh, wrestling back in the day for a lot of yeah. our wrestlers. Yeah. And Chad Wesley Smith said he was 125 kilos in high school. Uh, which is which is 275 and and that he is that is a you know there's nothing crazy about that that's just how bodies are um in high school i was under 200 pounds and you know i was tall so while that sounds heavy to most people at my height is not very heavy um so so that's why yeah yeah to answer that quick little for reference, I was under a hundred pounds in high school. In high school, <laughs> you you also said something funny. When as I'm aging, I'm I'll be forty three in a couple of weeks. Whenever someone's like, you know, I turned thirty, I'm like, dude, it it that's as good as it gets. Like, it yeah, and <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I'm old, right? I'm, no, what I know. I'm saying that. is like, if I get up to two hundred and eighty pounds and I'm thirty. And that takes five years. I'll be 35. Now, if I want to get back down to 220, 210, like that's much harder than if I'm 30 trying to do that, you know? And I just, I'm not interested really in that. Um, I do enjoy coaching a lot. And, and yeah, yeah, I, I just doesn't seem interesting to me. So. so, as someone that comes from a fitness background getting into jujitsu, what, what's been the hardest thing for you? Uh, well, I think it's a push and a pull, right? Like everyone says, if you come from a fitness background, you have to learn to not use your strength and, you know, be technical. And what I've learned is the, when I use my strength, I just gas out. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so it's, it's whether or not I choose to use it or not, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get punished for it. So what I've, it hasn't been a cognitive thing for me to not use my strength. It's just been, uh, like it's been a not, I haven't been thinking about it. I've just been using it less, um, as I've adapted more towards longer bouts of fitness, you know, so, so it's more of a thing. It's like, I never really said to myself, okay, I'm not going to use my strength. I just paced myself just like I would in a CrossFit wad, you know, just like I would, if you said three, two, one, and we started a wad, I'm going to start and try to move well and pick up speed if I need to, not the other way around. Yeah. It's really hard, especially not that I'm as big or as strong as you, but you know, compared to your average jujitsu practitioners, when I started, you're, I was strong. And oh, yeah. Hard, oh, yeah. Hard not to rely on that strength, but you realize, even like you're suggesting with CrossFit, like that will get you so far. And and we talk about it in the technique lecture in CrossFit where there's, there's always somebody in the box. When someone new walks in, you're like, man, that dude is intense. They're good, et cetera. And you're chasing them. And then slowly but steadily, you surpass them because mm-hmm. they're not putting the time in for technique. They're not putting the time in to really understand. They're just balls to the wall every workout. And that, the analogy would be the same in jujitsu. If, if you went in and you had an ego and you only used your strength, you're going to continue to get tapped by the light guys that are willing to put the time in to get better at technique. Yeah, and a lot of it is like, I don't, you know, I don't think I had an ego. I just didn't know it. You know, I think people just are like, this is how it works. And then they slowly realize it's not how it works. Like today I roll, I have this one training partner. He's about 200 pounds. I'm 220 right now. And after a couple good scrambles, I really slow down and he'll pass my guard and, and I can, I try to catch my breath and things like that. But today I just never slowed down. Not once. And he's like, you know, I notice that you're just not slowing down, you know, like you're almost the same guy a little bit. You have more moves, you have more ideas, more techniques, but you're just not slowing down now, you know? So that's the interesting thing about jujitsu, you know, even crossfit and weightlifting, it's pretty easy because it's measurable. I did this workout and I'm faster or I lifted this weight, you know, which was more than last time. Jiu-jitsu is a lot of like feel. And it's like, if I roll with you, you could be having a bad day. I could be having a good day or vice versa. It's not always so easy to feel or measure, you know, progress. And then, but it, but it is something that you kind of, you know, when you've almost leveled up. But don't you think that it's almost the exact same thing as taking a CrossFit class? Like it, it's the same vibe, man. It's like you, you walk in, and you have a bunch of people who are squatting well below parallel with big weights and you've never squatted below parallel in your life. And all we have to like that right there is such a stark difference. And that's the baseline for CrossFitters. You know what I mean? The baseline for CrossFitters is hitting depth on back squats. And like, that's not the real world. That's why when, you know, and, and you asked me this before the podcast, maybe we can kind of jump into this. People think I'm critical of cross. Well, I am critical of CrossFit. I'm critical and, of everything. Right. I think I was introduced. Yeah. Somebody sent Fern and I, my partner for, for best hour here, 
uh, a video from you kind of talking about your level two experience, the medicine ball clean, et cetera. And I immediately reached out and you immediately responded. And I appreciate that because a lot of times, you know, that shows me right away you're open-minded. And I think it's, it's important for CrossFitters, I was telling you, our listeners to realize they live in a bubble. Like CrossFitters live in uh -huh. a bubble. Yes, yeah. Rogue pops up because you search for Rogue shit. You search for CrossFit stuff. No different than when you talk about something, it pops up. So we forget there's a whole another dimension of fitness out there. Yes, yes. And like the baseline of CrossFit is amazing. And like, that is what I love. And I'll never, ever turn my back on that, right? Like a group fitness class where we have a dynamic warm up, get your heart rate going, get sweaty. We teach a back squat and then a class where we all back squat together with, on, with a barbell. And then we do some conditioning. Like that's a dream come true. Who can argue that? That's strength and conditioning. That's, you know, there are certain aspects of CrossFit that I disagree with in the sense of you can't become too, um, let me think, of, like, I mean, cult type of ideas, but it's more about like, and I, and I think this is what another thing I like is like the freedom of the manager or the owner to program how they want and to do these certain things. I really like that. Um, and, and maybe that is what will help people succeed. I, I do feel though that like more owners and more managers need to be a little bit more outgoing in the way that they approach their education. Um, Meaning you know, like I went to a gym the other day. It was so cool, dude. Like we did back squats, like decent percentage, like 75% to 80%. And then after we did like assistant ex assistance exercises and they were like single leg or single leg RDLs with a kettlebell. Um, and then it was like, I think it was um, like maybe some sort of step up with a tempo on the way down or something, but it was, it had zero CrossFit feel to it. It was all about like, this is our goal here you know, and we're going to, it, it felt like I was taking a strength and conditioning class, you know, and then we did like, uh, it was like, uh, it was for the workout. It was, uh, every three minutes, 10 calories on the assault bike and then like 15 kettlebell swings. So it was a sprint, you know? Right, and, yeah. um, and I, I, I loved it. It was like, I felt like who could argue against certain things like this. Um, but there are certain things when you try to put a blank slate over the way that you teach things, what it does is it doesn't allow people to turn their brain and, and be like, how can I, how can I teach this uh, in a way that attacks the issues before the issues arise? Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, I love it. And that's where like, that's where I pointed out like the medicine ball clean as being a very arbitrary silly exercise for that because it doesn't attack those issues it actually the f the reason it's used doesn't actually equate to its use what do you mean by that so the reason it's used is so we can learn that our arms do nothing here right like we extend with the legs the barbell is used by the legs 
or, or sorry, the, the, the barbell is moved by the legs and the hips and the back extensors. But what happens is you can push that a little bit too far and say that the arms do absolutely nothing in the clean. And that extension is everything. And, and what you end up seeing is a, a, a kind of jarring looking weird clean that it tends to develop in the CrossFit world. Where in reality, like if we teach someone with the barbell right away with a certain, uh, with like a, a little bit of a nuanced approach that attacks the issues immediately before they arise, you don't have to even talk about using the legs or the hips. They're going to be used, right? If you're, if they're doing it properly. And that's why the point, the thing that I pointed out was in my level two, you know how we get in the small groups and then they say, okay, who did it the worst? Or like who needed the most, you know, you know that part. That, so yeah, and you were brought in. And it was, and it was like everyone in my small group pointed to me, <laughs> right? And then I proceeded, the, the workout was one clean plus two front squats. And I proceeded to clean and two front squat more than 100 pounds, more than the, the heaviest guy in my group. For, for reference, I, what was that about? Uh, 335. Okay, so decent, decent strength right there. Yeah, so, but it wasn't, I'm not a strong guy. Like there are, there are CrossFitters who back squat more than me, front squat more than me. I do have technical prowess in the clean. So that's where I take issue is like, oh, your med ball clean sucks. You, you don't understand the clean. Do you know what I'm saying? No, and I so completely understand. And, and I, I do want to say, this is another example where someone like you would say, I'm not strong. Compared to the best of the best, yeah, you're not. But compared well, to well, I think no, no. I mean, what I mean, is yeah, straight in the world. Well, what I mean is like I'm not strong compared to myself, right? Like I am not a strong guy, right? Like my level when I came into CrossFit, like I couldn't back squat two seventy five, you know, and like I, there were big, and that's not someone who can't back squat two seventy five. You wouldn't walk into a CrossFit class and we're doing, okay, we're doing back squats today and be like, the guy who struggles with 275, you wouldn't say like, that's the strong guy in the group, right? You would see the, the old dude who's not very good at CrossFit or whatever, but you put a bar on his back and he squats 400. You'd be like, that's the strong guy in the group. You know, it's like relative to my other lifts, I'm not a strong guy. So I, I have technical prowess. I just happened to get that early on and then just build the shit out of my strength. I'm sorry, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, we don't edit this. Lo loosely, loosely. <laughs> yeah, we're, we, we mark ourselves as clean, but we once in a while. So, okay. So, I love this. And let me ask you this question. Can someone be proficient at the squat clean and not proficient at the med ball clean? Absolutely. What would that look like? So the reason why I, I, uh, they, everyone pointed to me was because I didn't overextend my hips. I didn't prove to everyone that I was extending, extending, extending. When Would you in say reality, extending? Well, what are we really looking for in the clean? We're not actually looking for the hips to come forward and the shoulders to come back. No, we're looking for a straight line. Right. And the body... It, it really depends if when we, when people see extension, it's usually momentum that carries us into that position that everyone thinks about in triple extension, right? When the barbell is light, you should actually be working on timing, which is 
contact to fixation. That's one of the three pillars that another guy, Max Ada, who's a weightlifting coach for juggernaut. That's one of the ones that he talks about is time to fixation. And so when you have lightweight, the moment you make contact, you shouldn't be continuing to extend back, continue, continue. You should be making contact and keeping your chest right where it is and racking the bar fast. Right now that the, the crazy thing here is like when I, clean 70 kilos, which is very easy for me. So it's 155 pounds. It might look as though like, Hey, why aren't you extending? And to the eyes of the average CrossFitter, their version of extension is actually hyperextension. You know, people need to remember standing up. If you just stand up, that's extension. So put a bar in your hands and you're standing vertical, you know, you might be a little bit leaned forward. And then someone says, well, you're not extending. Well, I don't know. I'm getting enough height on the bar. And so th that's why, like, it's like, I couldn't, if you want me to do like a ridiculous looking med ball clean, like where I'm just like super far back and kind of have it look weird, then that's fine. But that does not relate to the clean, you know? Um, and, and that's what I mean when I say like, you can have a non-proficient med ball clean like what does that even mean proficient med ball clean i'm never going to miss <laughs> you know yeah, i'm mean, never going to miss a I, rep so I i'm going to be 100 percent. my proficiency is going to be 100 percent all the time yeah and i think there's definitely you know i talk about this with the med ball cleaner with many movements efficiency if 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 someone told you or me or anybody that's been doing crossfit for some time to do the med ball clean in a workout i would purposefully not hit hip extension there's no need to i can exactly, barely yeah. come out of my squat and get under that ball because it's 20 pounds right and you see that in the games every year you know the, the best of the best might not be moving with the most sound technique throughout but that's still very efficient for them so i do think there's you can be good at one and not the other would you would you agree though for someone brand new to CrossFit, to fitness, to weightlifting, the med ball clean is, is nice as far as it's not as intimidating. It can teach them the points of performance without having a barbell to worry about the you know rack position, smacking so, the teeth. This is the thing, man. When I was I was my first job as a as a uh, as a CrossFit coach was a big one. It was salary. So it was like you know, people don't get salary jobs for, for CrossFit coach. So that means what I'm coaching. That? This was in Chicago. And um, Which that means I, uh, it was called, it's called the foundry, but they actually just closed because of the pandemic. I've, I've heard of that. Who was the owner of that? Uh, Justin Quant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The name is very familiar. And when I was hired, I coached at least four classes a day and then um, at the end of the day, I did onboarding or uh, what was it called? On-ramp, mm -hmm. right? And um, I think I compiled like 1800 hours like in one year. And I must, have co I must have taught over 300 people how to clean and snatch. And I never used a med ball one time. And the reason why it may seem intimidating and it may seem these ways is because the regressions and the progressions aren't simple enough. I, I have them down to a science. I mean, I can literally 
I'm so confident in my ability to teach a beginner, someone who's actually scared of the weight room, how to clean, like in 20 minutes, like I'm more confident than in that than literally anything else in the world. Tell, tell like, us about what that might look like. You know, we always talk about progressions here on the show. If what's like the Zach calendar clean, someone's brand new, what would you, what would you work them through? So the first thing I say, when I talk with someone who's like scared and they're, they're a new person, I tell them like, listen, like step-by-step step, do not feel like you have to, to do anything or perform any certain way. Right. And then I won't tell them this, but I'm going to give them the most remedial tasks to, to, to do. So the first thing is like, how do we grab the bar? And then when it's in the front rack, how do we grab the bar? Um, and the reason, so what I'll do is I'll actually have them find where their bar is and just hold it in their hands, stand upright with their chest high. So they just know like, and I'll say, you know, as we move through this, your shoulders are going to want to come down. Your back's going to want to round. You always have to be fighting against the barbell, no matter what you're doing, because it wants to pull you down. Gravity wants to pull you down. You have an implement now, right? That rigidity is valuable. And then what I do is I'll get them to hold it in the front rack and they're going to go, oh my God, this is crazy. I'm going to go, yeah, I know it is crazy, but like, trust me, this is the only way, right? This is it. So what I'll do is I'll actually have them hold it in their hands as tight as they can as tight as they can. And then I'll say, all right, let's try to get it above your collarbone. And they're going to go, oh my God, this is crazy on my elbows, all this stuff. I'm like, I know, I know it's crazy, but I never let them roll it into their fingertips. And I never let them, and I never tell them, Hey, you know, we're just, we're just going to rest it on the shoulders. Like, you know, it's the fingers or the, the hands don't do anything because the reason why I don't do that is because that will develop into bad habits later on particularly in the clean. You actually won't set up a proper front rack if you don't learn how to uh, externally rotate the elbow or the elbow and shoulder or the humerus, sorry. You need to learn how to do this better and better and better and better. And if you don't learn it from day one, because I'm telling you to open up your hand and put in your fingertips, what, what am I doing? I'm, I'm lowering my standard. So I have them just kind of hold it there and they're like, oh man, this is crazy. I'm like, okay, now put it overhead. And now when you put it overhead, I want you to straighten out your wrists. So you're stacking your wrists. And now I want you to slowly bring it down to the front rack. And what they'll do is they'll end up externally rotating. And naturally. And they'll naturally be in an open posture. And I'll have them do that a bunch of times. And then the I might- that, that position that you're talking about, I always teach people when we're doing like cycling shoulder to overhead. It's like mm -hmm. it hurts. And it's always because they're not doing what you're demonstrating, which is basically pointing those elbows in and up. And you create that shelf there too. Yeah. Which is a lot more comfortable when a barbell is coming down and up over and over again. And the learning how to hold the bar pays off. Because you're going to need to. Yeah. When you alleviate what you're doing when you open the hands and let the bar roll into your fingertips is you're just alleviating every other joint. And so when you end up building muscle with all that alleviation, you don't build it in the right place. So say you have a workout with a heavy barbell, you get the bar overhead, the bar is way back in your hand, you bring it back down, it slams down on you. You know, you, you actually don't build strong shoulders. You're just kind of finding a way to get it overhead. Right. So I have them grab the bar, get do all that. And I might even come in and lift their elbows, you know, and they're like, oh my God, this is crazy. Okay, that's that. 
Now, once they've gotten used to that, because they already know the squat, I go, okay, we're going to front squat. Just teach them how to front squat. And again, their elbows are going to dip down and I might have them press it overhead. Just learning how to hold the bar in the right spot with a full hand. Get enough reps of that, then we're good. From there, bring it down to see so yeah, yeah. for a second. I, I'm understanding. This is interesting because, like I said, people were like, this guy doesn't like the memo clean, blah, blah, blah. Here's what I'm hearing. And, you know, some of the CrossFit out there, that maybe they just will get a little hate. You're not as big a fan of the med ball clean because you seem to be, at least, I've not seen you do it, but from hearing you, pretty freaking proficient at coaching with the barbell. Now, yes. so I think that's where there may be some sort of disconnect out there, right? The med ball clean has always been used in the CrossFit world as this idea of like, it's a teddy bear, it's less intimidating, but also there's more room for error, right? I don't have to be a great coach. Get under this ball. You're yeah. not going to hurt yourself. But is that, so is that the solution we're looking for? No, is that really the, you know, I mean, is that what we're looking for? We're like, oh, this guy sucks at, at coaching the clean. Let's give him a way out. No, like, that, as I mean, that's, that's what I'm hearing as, as we're talking about that. And, and it's making me think. Now, I, I, I still would argue there's some benefits. And obviously, we're not done talking. Group session, um, it's still... You know, I don't think you would argue with me that CrossFit saved weightlifting. A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. So that doesn't mean it's the right thing just because it's working. Right. But yeah. And again, like that criticism is so minute, like it doesn't matter really in the grand scheme of things. We're getting people to touch barbells. We're getting people to condition. Yeah. Like how could I ever complain? It's well, just when we want to get into the little intricacies, like, that's what I like to do. That's what I like to talk about. And I'm not afraid to be like, hey, CrossFit's wrong on this. Like, I, honest to God, I, I'm not kidding you. I could develop a intro to barbell program directly for CrossFit that is 100 times better than the one that they did. I know I could. But stop and I, doing that. And I, and I well, I, I've already done it. It's on my YouTube channel. <laughs> well, go check I've it done out. It 100, I've done it 100 times, you know? Can, like, Can you remind people what your YouTube channel is while we're here? Yeah, just my name, Z-A-C-K space T-E-L-A-N-D-E-R. And I, I would say search directly for some of my, you know, my, my page isn't organized in like, I should probably, I'm going to, I need to do this. <laughs> okay. I need to organize it. So like, I have, I have a bunch of videos that are like very, very remedial, very elementary, and it's just barbell only. And those are, those ones, when I'm making them, I'm like, God damn it. If a CrossFit coach wants to teach someone how to weightlift, they can use this first day, day one. I have a video on there called learn to snatch. And I have a video on there called learn to clean. And both of them are from, they are literally from start to finish with a session with one person and they can absolutely be done in a classroom setting. I got to go check those out. And certainly Fern needs to go watch them. He has terrible form. So when it, if, if now let me ask you this if 10 people came in first timers ranging mm -hmm. from 30 to 80 male female yep. barbell or medicine ball barbell for sure yeah oh, no. different weights you know you have it you have it you can get beginner bars for i mean yeah, i i yeah I, I think those are a necessity right a, a, a beginner bar but also 
you know, you don't have to teach the clean day one. It can be like, all right, right. if you're not skilled enough, like, cause I've seen a very skilled 60 year old woman. I've also seen a completely unskilled, unathletic 18 year old guy, you know? And so what I'll assess when I'm coaching is like, I, they, I need them to move. I need them to do something. So if I see that they're not, I go, you're doing this. And what I'm telling them to do is we're going to do three presses plus three front squats with just the barbell. And we're going to do that every 90 seconds or whatever the workout is. I usually like doing stuff on the clock. So whenever I programmed CrossFit, I do it even now. I, when I program for weightlifting and for my MMA guys, everything's on the clock, everything. Um, and what that means, it doesn't mean that we're going fast always, you know, I can give them every three minutes to a set. Or it's great. I mean, I back squat. I did a five by five in my garage this morning and I'm like, all right, it's been seven minutes. Like maybe I should, right. you know, do another set when really, you know, you're probably, they say like it, you're 95% recovered at like two or three minutes. Yes. And it all depends on what weight you're using and how many reps. But so I always find where that weak person is and I give them something to do, to do that is, more regress than the group so that I don't have to just put all of my attention on them and fig figure out the best way to make them clean today. You know, if they take one thing away from this, this clean session, there's a chance that they'll remember that thing next time we clean. And then, you know, we can add on to that from there. Uh, because the person who's unathletic and unfit, it does me no good to have them be pissed off that they can't clean because it, it'll give them a better chance to be able to clean the fitter they get. So and when I to get them moving forward, like you're suggesting, yeah. like, I mean, I've, I've had people that have like, they can't do a single body weight squat. I'm sure you have too. Uh, people that can't even get into a plank position, let alone, you know, uh, push up things like that. It's like when we take time to learn a skill, they're getting their fitness in for sure. Whereas some people might not, they're just learning a skill. And that's the real difference. It's not, it's not, are they going to med ball clean? Cause it's less intimidating. It's more about assessing what they need, you know, the triage, right? That's what CrossFit talks about a lot. It's like, what does, what does this person need? Well, this person needs fitness in every manageable way possible. Uh, and learn teaching them how to snatch today is not the answer to that. So I think that's all super valuable. And I think, again, it's important that we as CrossFitters remember that we don't always have the perfect, the right answer. And if you're not looking outside of the CrossFit world, you know, you're, you're definitely limiting yourself and it's super narrow minded to be that way. So mm -hmm. tell me more about what was going on. These guys are pointing to you at your level two. What's yeah. going through your mind? I just, you know, I placate all of it. I'm not going to cause a riot. I'm, I'm literally not, you know, that's not, I don't go to these things to troll people or do that. Like I'm, I, I hate when I go to a CrossFit gym and someone is teaching weightlifting and they're, they're always looking at me and they're like, well, you know, Zach over there, he might know more than me about this. It's like, dude, I don't, 
I don't care if you're giving people right, wrong cues. I'm here to work out, bro. Like, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to be like, you know what I mean? Like you're the coach. I wanted to train and work out. I'm not teaching anyone anything. You know, I have respect for you as a coach speaking in front of the room. I never, ever want to go there and be like, well, actually <laughs> you're doing it wrong. You know, it's like, if they do something wrong, who cares? I'm, you know, it's my day. That's another thing too. I love about CrossFit is like, it's your fitness, man. When you walk in at the end of the day, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's 100% you being e like, have that ego in the sense of like, you're not there to worry about other people. You're there to make sure that you give yourself the best chance to get better and better. And that may seem egotistical, but that is what the goal is, right? It's like, you're not there to build somebody else's fitness. Now, as a coach, you absolutely are there to build everyone else's fitness. But when I go and work out in a CrossFit gym, I want to just focus on me and do my thing, you know? And am I doing everything right today? And if a coach, I'm absolutely 100% open to anyone telling me anything about weightlifting, even though I would consider myself an, a relatively an expert in that field, I don't care. Like if someone has something good to say, I'll absolutely take it and learn from it. Um, Do you remember who the uh, red shirt or seminar staff person was that was working with you? Yeah, yeah. It was for both. Uh, actually, no, never mind. It was Dave Lipson and I forget the other two. Damn it. I forget the other two. And then my first, uh, my level one was Spencer Hendel. And, and you were getting feedback. So when you're in the group and they're pointing at you and then they see you ultimately, you know, doing the complex at like three 30, did you have any conversations with somebody? No, no. It wasn't what? like, haha, fuck you guys. Sorry. Yeah. Screw you guys. Uh, you know, it was it wasn't like that. I, I never, you know, I just wanted to get a good workout in at the end of the day. Like I wanted to go lift heavy. So um, where, where do you think the med ball clean falls? Like do you think it's are you suggesting that we get rid of it? Like we only use it for wall balls, you know, in the future? Are you suggesting it still has a as a a place as far as the teaching of the, of the clean? Personally, I don't think so. And not Personally, at all. Like if, if you could redo CrossFit, it would be, so let me, let me rephrase it as this. You've taken the level one and level two, you know, there's a squat group, a press group and the deadlift group, the nine foundational yes. movements. Yep. If you had to take any out and replace them, what would you do? I would take out the med ball clean. Um, and I would take out the sumo deadlift high pull. And what would you, would you replace it with anything? Or... I'd have to think about that. You know, yeah, that's that, that, you know, it's actually, this is a very interesting story. I was a, uh, I went in, I got into strength and conditioning. I left CrossFit, got into strength and conditioning. And that's where I focused again on weightlifting and strength and conditioning. Like I was competing in weightlifting. Um, but after strength and conditioning, I, I kind of got out of that field and I have, you know, I have my CSCS, which is a kind of a big certification. It's pretty tough to get. And I've got a yeah, bunch of other certifications and I got a job at gold's gym as a personal trainer, which is like a pretty big step down from that. Right. Um, yeah, but I, that's how I started. 
I had to make a living, you know? So um, one of the things that Gold's Gym had was called Gold's Fit. And it was basically their version of CrossFit with no barbells. It was a direct ripoff of CrossFit. But, but the cool thing about Gold's Fit, and this is why it was a little bit different, was they changed their curriculum every single year. So they adapted to the new things that would come, that would come up. And when I took their like little certification course, I was blown away. I really was completely blown away. It came, the guy who made it started in CrossFit and he took it upon himself to build this curriculum. And he took a lot of the things from on it, a lot of the kettlebell swing stuff from on it. Um, he took a lot of different kind of strength and conditioning ideas and he made the curriculum. And I really, really enjoyed that. And what I thought was very interesting was how well they adapted and how much they changed and kind of were able to take on new ideas and, and things like that. That's where, when I think of nine foundational movements, it's like, well, CrossFit is still in a baby phase. Like, how do we know what the absolute foundational movements are? I mean, the sumo deadlift high pull, how could it possibly be a foundational movement if we're not using it? Uh, what, you know, over 10% of the time, you know, like a foundational movement should be the foundation of your training. And if we're, if, if we're not using a med ball clean, if we're not using a sumo deadlift high pull, let's change it. Let's adapt. It doesn't, I think that was another one of my issues with CrossFit is like, they wouldn't ever do something like that. And that was more due to uh, uh, Greg Glassman being a crotchety old man who you know, he, he tripped and fell on some gold and then thought that that made him a genius. Ultimately, it thought that it made him into this unbelievable mind when he created something very simple at the right time and he believed in it and it worked and it worked great. But to say then that you don't need to learn anything else and you don't need to change ever again, that's actually the sign of stupidity, in my opinion. That's not the sign of, of, of someone who is actually smart. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, you've said a lot. I think Coach Glassman created something exceptional. I mean, it's changed, changed the landscape of fitness. I do, I do think there are things where because of just who he was, it was like, nope, we're not changing it. And almost because you're telling us to, we're not going to do it. Yes. And, you know, and I think, it is tough. It's tough to call something your foundational movement and then get rid of it. Yes. And another thing though, is like, he also has a point. It's like, there's so much crap in the fitness industry that you kind of get in tune with just shutting everything down. You know, at, at, I got into CrossFit kind of late and that's in quote and late meaning like the boom I feel was like 2011, like the big boom. That was huge. That was huge, right? right. That was like- Went to California, you know. Yeah, it, it big does. boom. And then 12 and 13, and I joined, I started CrossFit in 2013. And I felt like I was late to the game at that point, you know? Obviously now, if you're starting now, you're just a, a child in my mind. I'm sure it's the same way with you, you know? Like, but I felt like I was involved late in the game. But before that, like the utter crap that was coming out of the fitness industry, like CrossFit needed to happen. And uh, everything they were doing was better than the fitness industry. But 
there are certain aspects of the fitness, fitness industry that have caught up. There are people like myself. I have knowledge and I have the experience teaching a lot of beginners, a lot. Like, I'm not even trying to oversay this, but like the amount of, I could do our on-ramp with a blindfold on and earmuffs on. I could teach all our entire curriculum. That's how many times I did it. Every single week, four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, boom, boom, boom. I was doing it every single day. Like that, there aren't many people that do that and then go and develop a higher level skill. So those are the types of people. And maybe it's something I actually don't want to do. You know, I don't, but, but that's where the fitness industry is actually catching up. Uh, and different ideas are valuable and are valid. And that's when you see guys like Greg Glassman end up being a crotchety old man. Whereas back in 2013, he could actually get away with doing what he, he did. It's, just it's, saying no to everything. It's funny you bring it up in that kind of analogy because over the last few weeks, it seems like cryptocurrency has taken over. And it's right. a very similar feel. Like It's like early adopters, right? And then eventually, potentially, the world kind of takes on. And then ultimately, other people come in and, and make the changes necessary to take it to the next level. And you're right. You know, 2008, 9, 10, 11 there was only CrossFit. And then we're realizing people like you and other people out there, we can take this thing, we can refine it. We can still call it CrossFit, but we can make it even better. We can help take it to the next level. And I, I think in order for that to happen, there does need to be open-mindedness to it. And you need to be willing to, to listen to other people. And I do think this day and age in CrossFit, we're seeing more of that. We're seeing more of let's bring in other experts. I mean, the new CEO is creating new positions and doing all sorts of, of new things to, to help take it to the next level. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, I, I do not push my criticism beyond that. And I, I do make it very explicit how my love for CrossFit and like my, you know, ultimately I, that's how I started. So. So with, with that being said, you, you know, you kind of have the, you know, you do jitsu, you're doing CrossFit, you're doing strength training where do you where do you see the the world of fitness going do you think crossfit will just continue to grow do you think people are gonna get involved and then leave and and experience things like you did with strength and conditioning where do you think we're going to see the fitness world move to in the 20 you know this is interesting like is crossfit really really growing like, is it really, really growing on the way that, that the people in the algorithm bubble? It's, by the way, that's, I love how you called it a bubble, but I call it the algorithm bubble because all the things that you consume are created by the algorithm and that creates your your bubble, right? You get on Instagram, you're like, wow, everyone does CrossFit, you know, and, and you get on YouTube. People forget that. That's a yeah. big thing, CrossFit. This is, Austin Maliolo told me that. He's like, we're still really small. Yeah, like, and it's like, is the growth still happening so much so that it's like, okay, everyone knows what CrossFit is and everyone, you know, I thought the same thing about weightlifting. We went from in 2009 to 10,000 people. We were 2009. We were at 9,000 USAW members in, in, um, 2019, we were at 30,000. So we tripled in size. 
And I was like, okay, everyone knows what weightlifting is now because, and it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I have not seen in my life, like the real world where I walk around and talk to normal people, I have not really met one person outside of my sphere that knows what weightlifting is. And I mean, like within, within a, a distinct level of detail and maybe even a minimal level of detail knows what weightlifting is. If I say I'm a weightlifting coach, do you know what that means? They would say, your I mean, personal trainer, personal trainer, what, you know, things like that. If I said I'm Olympic weightlifting coach, the chances that they know that the snatch and the clean and jerk exist go up, but by how much still not that much. You know, that goal is like you, like you, I didn't snatch, I didn't clean. And I was someone, I mean, I read every, you know, uh, muscle and fitness magazine, all, you know what I mean? Like I was invested in fitness and I still didn't know what the Olympic lifts were until I found CrossFit. So it does show just, you know, you go to any global gym, 90% of those people have no idea what the Olympic lifts are. Yeah. And like the future, man, I don't know where it's going. I have no idea. I can't, I couldn't tell you, you know, if I looked at it back in, I felt like before the change, before the 20 members to regionals or 20, 20 males, 20 females to, to regionals, I thought I felt that before that change, CrossFit was the wild wet, like it was a gold rush, man. I felt like, I, I was, we were a part of like something that just is going to take over the freaking world. And I thought like, there's no way this train is stopping, you know, man, I went to Carson that year. It was the last year. Uh, the games were in Carson. I think it was 2015, right? 2015, maybe 2016. 15 or 16. Yeah. Yeah. I and I was like, dude, this thing is huge. No one, you know, no one's going to mess with it. Like this is, but- uh, it's, it's just going to keep going up. We're just going to take this thing to the moon. And, you know, all these certain things happen to it and maybe it's flattened out. Maybe it's still growing a little bit, but like, it's hard to say what the next future thing is. I think, you know, maybe people getting into fight sports, but again, that's my world. I have the bias of being in jujitsu myself. Like, I don't know what the future entails in this, you know, it's interesting though because it shows that we're still in a bubble because think about like i don't know the answer but what percentage domestically let's consider the united states actually do some sort of exercise it's probably like 10 percent or less just like walking like let's include okay if you go for a walk purposefully do something like not vacuum but actually exercise okay now what percentage of those people seek out a gym what you know and then it's like crossfit's like one percent like we forget how small we are are you googling so, right now i just i just looked this up the obesity rate is, stands at 42.4 percent in america yeah and that's so that means so that's, but that's that means at least 42 percent at least at the very minimum and we're talking very very minimum at least 42.4 percent of america does not exercise. And so I would say double that we'd get 80%, at least eight, you know, cause you have people who aren't obese, but they're not fit. Um, double that. So you have 80% and now doubling it is completely arbitrary, but 
Yeah. People don't, people don't work out in, in the way that our minds treat training and working out like n- not many people do. And then even outside of that, there's hardly any people doing that relative to, to the, to the grand scope of things. So Which, yeah, I, I totally see that. In, in a good, in good news, it just shows how much room there is for growth. Right. But does that think about, and this is another thing where like Greg Glassman really did understand it. It's like the sickness is the lobbies. The sickness is the corporations who their sole job is to prevent you from exercising and prevent you from being healthy. It makes it a lot harder to go out and do things when people don't want you to when every force does not want you to. And I don't want to seem like a, a super righty type of guy, you know, but the problem with the pandemic was like, just sit tight and wait for a vaccine. And I had the opposite idea. If there ever was a time to focus on being healthy, now is the time. Pick up a physical hobby, get outside Run for five minutes straight. See how far you get. Tomorrow, run for five minutes straight again. See if you can get a little bit farther. Next time, take it to 10 minutes. Pick up a physical hobby now. Don't just sit inside and wait for a vaccine. We were never told to go out and do something. You don't have to go to a gym. You don't have to be around anyone. Do a thousand push-ups on your floor. Do something. Like All the CDC had to say was that but they never did. I'm not here to, de- to deny or be some sort of righty, but does that not seem logically like sound? Well, right? for the and, record, and- my partner Fern is always preaching this stuff. So you're not saying anything completely unusual on our show. And the thing is, why do we need a pandemic for that? You know, it's like not a single soul on earth. Like this is, this is really where it comes down to. People say they don't have time. Okay, if you don't have time for something, you better be a monster at business. You better be making a lot of money. Yeah, if you're you're exchanging your health for something. But think about it like this. Those people that have the mindset to actually not have time, do they have the mindset to allow themselves to be unhealthy? No. So they actually don't have time but they make time to be healthy because that's the type of person they are. You see how we're- You just just blew all my listeners' minds. They're pausing right now in order to stop and- and, I'll I'll run it back. I'll run it back, right? No monster, no absolute, we're talking in any field, doctor, lawyer. The rock is the example you're referring to. Well, the rock is different because he's a sex symbol, right? So it's like, that's his job is to work out. Well, he also has some science, some science going on in his, in his blood. Right. But no matter what, even if, if there was no such thing as PEDs, he's going to be ripped because that's his job. And that's also part of his mindset. I will not take that away from him. But let's take a CEO. You know, uh, the CEO of Virgin, he was like the most famous CEO back in the oh, day, yeah. Richard Branson. Branson. Right? His, he was obsessed with fitness. And it wasn't, it, I guess not obsessed, but it was like, he's not going to let himself be unhealthy, never. And I actually know that there's 
Most CEOs, it's like you have to be healthy because you're working nonstop. It takes fitness to live. It takes fitness to sit at a desk and go to meeting, to meeting, to meeting, to meeting, to meeting, to have someone talking in your ear, to continually talk all day, to continually work. It takes grit. It takes determination. And someone who says they don't have time for fitness doesn't have that grit and determination. And they're not, they actually do have time, right? It's a total catch 22 and it's right in front of us every single day. I worked at gold. When I worked at gold's gym and you probably had to do the same thing. We had to sell training. Oh yeah. So we come, we bring people in, we have an assessment. I literally saw a woman. She was five foot five, 260 pounds. Her daughter was 14 years old, five foot three, 200 pounds. Okay. I told the woman, you are clinically obese directly to her face. I said, you will have, I, I've, I never did this before, by the way, I was always so gentle about it. But this one, I said, you are clinically obese. You need to do something now or else your life will be a lot worse. She said, I don't have time. I don't have the money. She walked out the door and ultimately that will continue to happen. And, and I don't know how we changed that. And that's why I think, you know, Glassman, one thing that he did was he said, why do people have the excuse to do that? Well, they continually have the excuse to do that because they're told by the media to not be fit or not media, but they're told by, by culture, by pop culture to not be fit body positivity and consuming goods that cause cancer that cause diabetes. This isn't when, when he started fighting that the division occurred because he turned his back on the CrossFit community to a certain extent, but his main goal was health and fitness. And no matter which way you turn, no matter where you go, the roadblock is the actual sickness, which is every other entity that is preventing people from being fit. We can invent a new style of training. We can invent CrossFit for God's sakes, but it will, it will never truly encapsulate. It will never truly capture a big enough audience when we have massive corporations continually pushing them towards these things. Man, you said some really great stuff there. And I, you know, it is surprising to me. And I think because from the moment I walked on the wrestling mats as a, you know, teenager to now fitness has always kind of been my like anchor, my North star. And it sounds very similar for you and for a lot of people out there. It is surprising to me that like, there are so many things you can ignore in your life, but how can you decide to purposely ignore your health? I don't, I don't get it. And I love what you were saying about CEO. And I think you're the same. I'm the same. Yes. You know, not to lump us into the same category as the rock, but yes, our livelihood and the foundation of what we do stems from exercise, but you're a CEO. I'm a CEO. You know, we're entrepreneurs there. I'm sure you have plenty of days where it would simply be much easier to skip the gym and focus on your business but because it's so important to us, because it's so important to the Bransons and even I'm sure like the Elon Musks and the Joe Rogans out there, people and, and plenty of women CEOs as well, we find the time. And something I was talking about with my coaches group is you don't need an hour. Like, like you said, 
drop and give me a thousand push-ups, maybe a little extreme, but you know, drop and give me 50 push-ups. You know, over the course of your day, give me 50 push-ups. Over the course of your day, walk for 30 minutes. Like it doesn't, you don't have to go roll, you don't have to go clean 330, you don't have to do a two-minute fram. You like I don't understand how anyone lives within your body and doesn't realize like the exercise and health was a priority long before money was. Yeah, and I'll say something a little bit more abrasive. Find me an obese CEO and I can guarantee you I will find a flaw within him or her. I can find, if you find me a fat CEO, I will find you someone who's not doing the best job they can. And it's not because of that they're fat, it's just a result of the type of mindset of someone who allows themselves to, to be in that position. If you think about actual obesity as something that is, you know, sometimes there are aspects of obesity that will occur due to circumstance. I totally a, understand that. Always I'm, understand that. I'm trying to not but say the, too much to right. off everybody, but there's always outliers. There's always... Yes. Injury. You know, if you injure yourself, you're in a hospital bed, you have thyroid issues, you have all these different things like, yes. But is, is that always the likely case? And let's talk about the likely case of someone who makes not one decision. They make hundreds, thousands of decisions to eat the wrong food, to do the wrong thing over and over again. That's the type of person who will make a, a mistake in their business when there's millions of dollars on the line. That's why you'll never find a true successful person. True, true, true. And, and not, I, I don't want to say you'll never find a successful person who's fat, right? But a person who is absolutely optimizing their success. Let's say that. Because there are plenty of people who are successful who are obese and overweight. But they unequivocally could be better at what they do. No matter what it is. If they were, if they were fit. Do you think, you know, cause I've said similar things and I, you know, I, I, I find it very hard. I wouldn't say to trust, but to, or respect I, Cause I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Like, but do you think we're biased? Like we're so into health and fitness that it's hard for us to wrap our head around someone being successful without caring about, their own health and fitness. You know, th this is where semantics, rhetoric, the way that you speak really matters, right? You, you might've said, I find it hard to trust fat people, right? That's a horrible, that is a horrible thing to say. No, no, you didn't say that. I know that, I know that, right? But someone, but that's, you, you have to break it down and you have to, because you, you cannot dehumanize someone because of their circumstance. You cannot, simply categorize someone and say you don't trust them but i totally understand what you're saying um in that someone who continues to make poor decisions outside of their relationship with you might start to make poor decisions within their relationship with you however having said that you're not their father you're not their keeper you're not their you're not their life coach unless actually you are. You're not their therapist. You're not any of these things. Say you're a, a friend, a colleague, or whatever. 
all you can do is judge them based off the way they treat you. And if they treat you solidly, it cannot matter if they're fat or not, right? I will always say that no matter what. I'll never discriminate against someone because they're fat. Like that's ridiculous. And you're never going to do that either because you're not a psychopath, or at least from what I can tell. You probably know me for about an hour, but yeah. Right? So, but I, I think I, I, actually, I know I understand what you're saying in that, you know, it's not, it's not really a, it's, when you think I'm going to focus on my fitness, people think they separate that. Fitness is over here. Everything else in life is over here. When in reality, it's like when you focus on your fitness, you're focusing on everything, everything else, everything. doesn't matter your taxes, your family life, your friend, the way that you treat people, the way you do things. When you focus on your health and well-being, you are focusing on your business. You are focusing on everything else. I love it. And that's, that's why I, I take so much issue. That's why that initial point is so important to me. It's like when I find someone who's obese, I will find a flaw in their life that is outside of their health. And I can guarantee you I'll find it. And yeah. that's, that's ultimately my, you know, that's where I stand on that. No, I think it's great stuff. I mean, it's really been a great conversation. And I think, you know, a lot of that comes from the idea of, you know, taking care of you. I would, I would almost, you know, equate it to, if you don't take care of yourself first, how are you taking care of the rest of your, your life, your business, your family? And, and you know, being obese, you, you may not be far from a trip to the hospital, right? I mean, the pandemic showed us, hey, you're more susceptible to this thing. And if, and if I'm running a company that's responsible for other people because they're, they have jobs and I'm not taking care of myself and you're putting them at risk by, by leaving yourself in, in that unhealthy, you know, category. So I think that's, that's really important. And, and I think for me, for a long time, it's very, you know, I think it's easy to just say, Hey, that person's overweight, that person's obese, they're not doing it. But I do think it's important to address just because somebody may be obese right now, doesn't mean they weren't more obese or they're not on their journey. And I think that was where I learned a lot of lessons. Like you hear it often, does somebody have to be in great shape to be a coach? No, in my opinion, but they damn well better be working on it. Right. Right. I, you know, I, I, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and whether that's, I had a coach that was 500 pounds, but he was losing weight and ultimately got down to 200 pounds and his story was so inspiring or a CrossFitter that has a really bad squat. That doesn't mean you can't coach, but I better see you in the corner doing squat therapy or stretching or doing something because ultimately I think a lot of what this life is all about is leading by example, which is kind of where we're going with all of that. You, you well, know, you know, my thing, I have it tattooed on my hand or my wrist here. It says no excuses, just improve. And you need to, to improve until the day you die. And what I mean by that is your level might not be what it was before, but it's here. And you can always improve it. And you might, it might go back to lower, but you can always fight to improve that. Your level is always where it is, and you can always improve it whatever that may be. You, 
I'll, I don't know. You know, I'll never say this, but I will likely not clean and jerk more than I have before. I it's likely, a, a, you know, I've got to say it's a very, a, it's a tough a, thing, but my level of anything in my life, my relationships, my family life, whatever that may be is where it is. And if I tell myself that I can't make it better, then what's the point of living? What's the point of all of this? You know, so fitness, whatever it may be, is always, it always has to be improved because that's what life is about ultimately. I love it. No excuses, just improving. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard kind of road or, you know, fork in the road. You know, for example, I did five by five, like I said, in the garage at 245 today, nowhere near my best, mm-hmm. but you also have to be thinking, you know, are other avenues of my fitness improving? Are other aspects of, of my life improving, right? Always, always just moving forward. Speaking of that tattoo, I noticed on your social media, you seem to be working on your, the left side of your body as well. Oh, oh, but my tattoos on my left side, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by tattoos because A, I enjoy them myself. And- yeah, you know, um, the whole like, like thematically, like at the top here on my shoulder is, uh, it's um, koi fish and they're making a yin and yang. And the whole theme here is, you know, the balance between everything, the push, the pull, the good and the bad, right? It's whatever, and it leans itself to that idea, like wherever you're at can always be better. It can always be worse and it'll never stay the same. Um, And when people start to realize that like you can never fully embrace sameness, meaning homeostasis is, it's, it's impossible. So I think everyone wants to be homeostatic. So they're scared of questions. They're scared of things that they can't get a hard answer to. And that's, you have to relish that. You have to relish the fact that life is unknown and the way that you're going to perform is unknown or else you're going to beat yourself down. That was really, I really, really loved CrossFit for that reason. The fact that they said unknown and unknowable all the time, I actually really liked that. And another thing too is like, you're always putting yourself in a position to, to be uncomfortable. Like, you know, everyone says, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. But really, there's always a, a split decision where you can do something you've never done before. And that means feel really bad and continue to work. You know, and like that right there, just training a few years for the open and trying to place as high as I could, man, if, if I went back to my collegiate athletics, like if I had more of that mindset, I would have been a much better athlete. So for that reason, like I'll never turn my back on CrossFit, never. But, I, you know, I like to criticize it because it's a love affair, you know? I, I love it, dude. And I think... You're also, you know, something that Fern and I speak about a lot is drunken monkeys, meaning you're just handing people problems and you're not doing that, which I think is really valuable. And I think a lot of people probably listen to this episode because like, oh, these guys are going to clash about X, Y, and Z, but you're not just handing problems like, hey, the med ball clean sucks. You're suggesting, hey, I don't think it's the best path forward. And here's potentially what I would do. Mm-hmm. that's important too many people just you're not a hater you're not a basher no you know and that's what the 
the world is filled with right now on social media. I mean, someone who is a hater is just as stupid as someone who's been indoctrinated into a cult. You're, you're both, you're both sides of the spectrum, not looking at anything in between. So it's just as minded. Yeah. It's just as stupid to follow, or it's just as stupid to be blindly skeptical as someone who's blindly, you know, optim, uh, optimist about it. So optimistic. Love it. I love it. Well, this has been a great conversation. I'm sure we can talk more, but Zach, it's your name on YouTube, and I believe mm-hmm. it's Z. Z A C K. Well, for your for your social media, for your Instagram. Oh yeah, uh, Coach underscore Z T. Awesome, awesome. So if if people check you out, they can certainly see videos on teaching people to clean the snatch and so much yes. else. One one last thing. So you seem to. I mean, you be you're pretty prominent on YouTube. Is that a full time gig? No, I mean, I, I have my hands in a, in a bunch of different places. My full-time gig is remote coaching and strength and conditioning. So I do that in person and then I do the remote coaching outside of that. Uh, that's where I make my living. And then out with, you know, I try to make a good piece of content at least once a week on YouTube. I've been doing you that for all almost of this, the editing and everything. No, I've, I've, uh, about a year ago, I outsourced my editing, thank God. Um, and it's been really great. Um, but I do, you know, I record, uh, I record audio, take as much visuals as I can, and then I send it to an editor and that system has really helped me a lot. Are you using like a overseas type of thing for that? Uh, well, this guy actually, he, I think he DM'd me a while ago, like a long time ago. And he said, if you ever need graphics for things, um, I can make some stuff for you. So um, then I was like, can you make a thumbnail for this? And then he made a thumbnail. And I go, is it possible you could take what I have and just like extend it a little more? And he did that. And I go, here's a bunch of video. Can you edit it for me? And then he did that. And we've been doing that ever since. Yeah. I'm just fascinated by people that like you, I, I say this about coaches and, you know, to be an entrepreneur just to me signifies, you know, you, you may have a paycheck coming in, you may be doing this, but, but you're someone that's willing to, you know, be creative take and ultimately take responsibility for your own growth development and, and finances. And I'm always fascinated by how different people do that. So it's really cool. Cause it's, cause it's awesome stuff. Yeah. So it's been really awesome. I, lo- I love it. No excuses, just improve. That's right. That's what we're going to, I'm sure that's what we're going to name this episode. And I, I love, you know, what, what you said about all of this. And I think it's, it's really important, you know, and hopefully someone, listens to this and they're like, okay, my mom, my cousin, my friend, my teacher isn't taking care of themselves. What can I do to help them? Cause that's really what it's all about also. Like mm-hmm. we are responsible. We need to be helping others. You kind of alluded to it earlier. It's like, be a nice person and, and, and get them going. Maybe you can be that catalyst to make them a better, more well-rounded, healthier person. Yeah. I love it, Zach. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad we finally connected. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.
You've heard me talk about it before, and I'm truly not joking. I'm being 100% genuine. I love Doc Spartan products. I use it every day. I talk about the Sex Panther beard bomb. That's literally what is in my beard right now. And I use all of the scrubs, my favorite being the coffee scrub, just in the shower, gives you the tingles, gives you the feels. I love it. And there's so many other great products. I use their deodorant. I've used their hand care when I've had tears. Just check them out. It's a veteran owned, you know, guy that was in the military serving our country, Dale. I got to know him over the years and he's just a great dude. And I started buying his products and he reached out to me and said, hey, we want to support the show and we appreciate it. And I just want you guys to not only support Doc Spartan and Dale, but also reap the benefits. If you want to be sexy like me, then you want to check out Doc Spartan products, 15% off with the code best hour. That's best hour for 15% off anything at their website, docspartan.com. Check out the coffee scrub and definitely check out the beard bomb and ladies there's stuff for you too so head on over to docspartan.com use the code best hour and save 15 percent